You're listening to a message from Highway Church. Enjoy the life-producing promises of God's Word as Debbie shares Psalm 23 with us. First of all, thank you, Pastor, for the invite to minister the Word. You know, I never take the privilege of the pulpit lightly. You know that I've said that several times. So listen, I have a lot to say. So we want to get right into the Word, okay? And uh, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 23 in your Bibles this morning. Now, if I was sitting where you are sitting a few years ago, and the preacher said, turn to Psalm 23, I would have said, who died? (laughs) Right? Because the first image that comes to my mind when Psalm 23 is mentioned is a funeral, right? People surrounding a casket and the preachers quoting Psalm 23. For the past year or so, Dennis and I have been watching old episodes of Bonanza. <laughs> and that boss goes too. And so uh, most of, many of the episodes when someone would die or someone was very sick, you know, about to die, this is the psalm that they would quote. <laughs> okay, of the 150 psalms, there is no psalm that is more quoted, more memorized, inscribed on plaques, written on cards than the 23rd psalm. It's a masterpiece. However, most often than not, this beautiful psalm is relegated to funerals or read when tragedy strikes, when trouble arises, or severe personal trials are experienced, and rightfully so, because it soothes the anxious soul, it assuages fears, and it brings comfort. It's usually one of the first psalms that's memorized by children. I read a story of an elderly couple a 92-year-old man who was the sole caretaker of his 84-year-old wife who was blind and suffering from Alzheimer's disease. Well, he decided to go put the Christmas ornaments back up into the attic. He climbed the ladder, but he fell. When his children were notified, he came, they came to help the parents. One particular night, this daughter, who was a Bible teacher, She was sitting at the table, and she was studying a lesson. And uh, when she moved in the chair, being an antique chair, it creaked, and it woke up the mother in the other room. Father was watching the baseball game. The mother was sleeping. When she made that sound, it startled the mother, and she woke up, and she said, Who's there? And she said, Mom, it's me. Who are you? She said, Mom, it's me. It's Liz. What are you doing? She said, I'm studying Psalm 23. You know, Mom, the Lord is my shepherd. And startled from her sleep, disoriented, unable to see a victim of Alzheimer's, sat up and recited the whole Psalm 23, the psalm that she memorized as a child, and then she went right back to sleep. This morning, I want to invite you to take a journey with me through six verses of Scripture that is packed with outstanding insights that I believe will change your life. Amen? And I believe that you will never look at the 23rd Psalm the same way. All right? You got your Bibles open? Please take good notes like we say all the time. We're going to look at this Psalm as a living narrative because it has a lot more to say about life than it has to say about death. Okay? And keep in mind that uh, this Psalm, David The psalmist himself is a shepherd, but he's speaking from the perspective of a sheep. And he's recounting the events of a full year. So as we go through verse 1 through 6, we have gone through a full year. Okay, so keep that in the back of your mind. I'm not going to take a full year up here preaching. You know, I'm not going to do that. But that's what this is. Psalm 1 through 6 is uh, a full year of a sheep's life. Now listen, David is going to take us through the home ranch, out into the green pastures, beside the still waters. Okay, and that's where they will drink. And then he's going to take us through the valley up to the mountain table lands. Listen to what I said. The mountain table lands where the sheep will stay and they'll graze there all summer long. And late fall, they will come back down, okay, and make it right back to the home, prepare for winter. Amen? Amen. You got your Bibles? Let's dig in deep. 
Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the awesome privilege to share your word with your precious sons and daughters this morning. Lord, your word says, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. And thank you, Father, that we will receive revelation from your word today. We will hear your spirit talking to us today. Thank you for answers to our questions, direction for the days of hell ahead of us, my God, peace in the midst of our storm. Lord, show us changes that need to be made in our thinking and in our believing, and we resolve to be not only hearers of your word, but doers of your word. Father, thank you for healing today. Thank you for delivering, restoring, and setting free today. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And every but he says, amen. amen, amen. Verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's take a moment and look at the life of a shepherd. First of all, being a shepherd was considered the lowest of all works. It was an unpleasant job. I heard a Jewish rabbi say, there is not a more contemptible office than that of a shepherd. Interesting. In the family, it was usually the, son, the youngest son usually was appointed this assignment. The shepherd practically lived 24 hours a day. The task of caring and tending for his sheep is unending. Day and night, summer and winter, good weather and bad weather, you would see the shepherd alongside his sheep. Sheep are not wild animals, so they cannot survive out in the wild. They solely depend on their owner. Also, they don't take care of themselves. You will not see a sheep scratch himself like a dog or lick himself clean like a cat. He won't do that, okay? He just can't do it. But the sheep are his property, and they're more than just a beloved pet to the shepherd. To the shepherd, this sheep is like a beloved family member. And he goes to a great lengths to care for them, to protect them, to provide for them. From sunrise to sunset, this utterly selfless shepherd is alert to the welfare of his flock. Who in their right mind would want to be a shepherd? Who would want this job? But in the Gospel of John, Jesus emphatically declares, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for my sheep. There's a verse in the Bible that says, he that keeps you will neither slumber nor sleep. God never takes any time off, right? That's our Jesus. So David had experienced God's love, his protection, his provision, his guidance. That's the reason he declares, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, he could have said, oh, hero Israel, the Lord is our shepherd. But that's not what he says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And he says it, okay, with such... Uh, feeling, you can sense it there, because he's had a personal relationship with him. He's my shepherd. There's no question there. Maybe, oh, I'm not sure. No, no, no. The Lord is my shepherd. Now listen, I'm a city girl, so I don't really know much about milking cows and shearing sheep. Dennis drank, I think, milk right from the cow's udders. I don't know anything about Yes, you're laughing. Okay, that is true, right? I'm not, all right, all right, just, just, just double checking. All right. So there's a disadvantage when you don't know about the culture, okay? Like, for instance, in the past, when I would see pictures of Jesus carrying the sheep, I had no clue what that meant right? I, I, really, I didn't know what, the, what was behind that. When I read chapter 10 where Jesus is referring to himself as the door of the sheep, I didn't understand what that meant, okay? But now I understand when the shepherds are out all day working in the fields, at night, they all bring their sheep into the sheepfold, a pen. I thought the sheepfold was all the sheep. That's what I thought it was all this time. No, the sheepfold is the pen. So at night, they all go into the pen, and then they hire, the shepherds hire a porter to watch the sheep, okay? In John 10, 6, Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus is actually saying a couple of things here. I'm the doorkeeper. I don't hire anyone to watch my sheep. And then he's also saying, I am, because the sheep 
fold, didn't have a gate or a clothing, that shepherd would actually lay across that opening to protect his sheep from any wild animals or any thieves or robbers that wanted to come in and kill the, the sheep for their wool. But that's our Jesus. He is the door and he watches and protects us. Can you say amen? amen. Continue on. The rest of that verse is said, David says, I shall not lack. You see that in your Bible? I shall not lack. David had come to know and trust God as a good shepherd. Therefore, he would not lack. He would never go without. Guess what? You will not lack. Amen. All your needs are met because he's our good shepherd, all right? He delights in it. Psalm 35, 37, you might want to, 27, you might want to write this psalm down. Look it up. I'll be giving you verses, but I expect you to go home. You know what, right? Meditate on it. It, yes, thank you. There's Debbie. I got a cooperation here. The Lord takes delight in the prosperity of his children. See, the Lord enjoys seeing you prosper and being successful, having good fortune and doing well. But you know, many Christians, unfortunately, have the mindset that God wants them broke, right? Broke, busted, disgusted, sick, and suffering. But I don't see that in the Word of God, right? I got, do you want to see your children sick and broke, going without? No. What kind of reflection would that be on, on us as a parent? Look at the Bosco children. Let's take the Bosco children. Don't they just come in every Sunday? They look so beautiful. Do you see those hair all matted? Their nose running, ears, wax coming out of the ears. Do you see those children come in like that? No. Right? They're well taken care of. Good reflection of their parents. That's our Father God. Amen? Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give his children good things? Can I say something here? The Holy Spirit just brought this up. I don't know if you know, recently Dennis and I bought an apartment, a condo in St. Michael, okay? And a two-bedroom, two-bath little thing. But you know something? You know really why we did it? Because our son, who is in Uganda, wants to spend time in St. Michael. And he might spend three months there. He might spend six months there. So you know what the father and I did? You know what the father did? Let's do it like this. You know what the father did? He bought that apartment for his son. He's already sent over three barrels of stuff, the sheets, the, the bread spreads, the curtains. So when the sun gets there, he just turns the key. It's been all provided. This is an earthly father. How about our good father? Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's our father. He wants you to prosper. Don't believe God just wants to see you just barely get by. No, no. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to? Prosper. Ah, you're too weak. Plans to? Prosper you. Yeah, amen. Plans to prosper you, he says, right? Amen. Perhaps you're thinking, but Debbie, uh, I'm not experiencing this. I must be the black sheep in the family. No, you're not. But, but Debbie, you don't understand. I pray, I ask God, I beg him. Listen, you don't have to beg God for anything because everything has already been done. Right? The word says he has given us all things that pertain to what? Life. All your good students. Amen. Amen. Do you remember when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt? All they had known for years was struggle, lack, oppression. But when God brought them out of Egypt, okay, God caused the Egyptians to give them gold and silver and jewels. They left Egypt fully loaded. Why? Why was God wanting them to leave with all this treasure, all this wealth? They were going into the wilderness. They weren't going to the malls. Why? God was wanting them to begin seeing themselves prosperous, not as slaves. God was wanting them to begin to develop a new image on the inside of them. But unfortunately, they saw themselves not the way that God did. Okay? They saw themselves as grasshoppers. Yeah, grasshoppers, right? Grasshoppers. Grasshoppers. <laughs> Do you want to come up and preach this? <laughs> How do you see yourself this morning? Do you see yourself as a black sheep? Do you see yourself as never getting ahead? Never having enough? You need to see yourself as a child of the Most High God 
having a great shepherd who loves you. He's made all the provision for you. Psalm 34.10 says, those who trust in the Lord will never lack no good thing. You know what the bottom line is? Trust. We need to trust in our God. Trust. And we need to have an unshakable confidence in the fact that we are in the shepherd's care. Amen? We're not going to be moved by what we see. We're, gonna, we're not going to be moved by what we don't see. We're not going to be discouraged. We're going to say, you are my shepherd. I shall not lack. Amen? Verse 2. You make it me to lie down in green pastures. Now, lying down in green pastures means the sheep is content, they're resting, and they're satisfied. All right? Now, let me share some interesting facts with you. I learned about sheep while preparing for this. One of my favorite books that I read was A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. He said, sheep do not lie down easily. It's almost impossible to get them to lie down unless four conditions are met. You might want to write these down. They must be free of fear, famine, flies, and friction. They must be free of fear, famine, flies, and friction. We're going to start with friction, okay? If there is friction or fighting among the sheep, they won't lie down. Usually, when you have a flock of sheep, there'll general, generally be one domineering you. She thinks, she, can I act a little bit here now? Because she thinks that she's the boss, okay? And she usually is. Now, she maintains her position by what I call strutting and budding. And she struts around. She looks around for the, the weakest, you know, the weakest sheep, she looks around for her next victim, and when she finds him or her, she arches her back and her neck, right? She tilts her head, she dilates her eyes, stiffens her legs, and wham, she rams right into that little victim. She says, move out of the way. This is not move that bus. This is move out, get out of my way, as she's saying, right? And her action produces tension and friction and nervousness among the sheep. Now, I know I'm not talking to anyone here this morning, but I know you know someone who goes around strutting and butting and wanted to be the boss, the top sheep. Say, yes, Debbie. See, they want to be recognized. They want to be noticed, promoted. They want to be heard. When they come into the workplace or the home or the church, this tension, this stress, they're saying, move out of the way. You know something? As sons and daughters of the Most High God, we never have to strut and butt to get our way. We don't have to demand our rights. We don't have to assert ourselves. We don't have to fight to be heard. We don't, we don't be, we're not going to be that difficult, bossy, miserable person to live with, right? In the office, we don't have to scratch and claw, gossip and backbite to climb the ladder to get ahead, right? Or to be noticed. Psalm 75, 6 says, promotion does not come from the south, the east or the west, but from the Lord. And maybe at work they're playing office politics and they're not giving you the credit you deserve. You're not going to get upset, right? You're not going to stomp in there and give them a piece of your mind, right? You're going to continue to stay at rest, okay? Because the position of rest is where you have the power, amen? So the picture we see here, he maketh me to lie down, is a picture of a sheep at rest. We're trusting that God is working behind the scenes. Are you waiting on a promotion, a certain position? If it's for you, no demon in hell can stop it from coming to pass. It may not happen on your timetable, but, no, don't but, but it will happen. Are you following me? Okay, it will happen. I like what one preacher says. He says, if you rest, God works. But if you work, God rests, right? All right. And I know sometimes it seems like our lives, it, just like, it's just, it seems like we're just not moving fast enough. It, it just seems like we're not going anywhere. Do you ever feel like that? You feel like you're in a, I call it the lock. You know what a lock is? 
You know what a lock is? Okay. Well, I didn't know what a lock was until recently when my husband took me on uh, a river cruise. Okay? I learned, that's where I learned about it. When we were going down the Danube River in the ship, okay, a lock is a section of a canal, all right, or the river that's closed off by gates, and the ship goes into the lock. It's like a holding tank. Okay, and then they either raise or lower the water level. When the ship is in the lock, it cannot go forward. It's unable to move ahead. It has to wait, but it is moving upward. So if you find yourself this morning in the waiting chambers and things are just not moving fast enough, you don't feel like you're getting ahead, you're not getting anywhere, you're going to rest. And you're going to use this time to draw closer to God, okay? And spend time in his word and meditate on his word. And guess what? He will raise you up. You're going to stay positive. You're going to stay in faith. You will rise to the top. He has not forgotten you. Amen? Amen. Say yes, Debbie. Okay. The second reason, that was only the first, why the sheep won't lie down is if they are hungry. The sheep, they love green pastures, okay? But it doesn't happen by chance. That shepherd goes through a lot of work to prepare those pastures. He has to remove the the poisonous weeds. He has to clean out the brush. He has to irrigate the soil. And what's the result? Lush green grass that the sheep really enjoy. And then they can lie down and rest. As I thought about this, I thought of the many good pastors who take the time to prepare good messages and Bible studies for their sheep, good food for their sheep to eat. You know, I, I only do, I only speak once in a while and it takes me a long time to prepare a message. If you had to wait for me, you'd be meek and weak sheep, you know, (laughs) But you know something? We get good food at Highway, don't Amen. we? Yes, we good, yes. And that takes time to prepare that. Okay? It takes time. Good word that nourishes and makes strong, builds our confidence in God is so vitally important. Amen. Listen, it's very important on what you feed on. I have water. My own. On what you feed on. I heard of a young pastor who went to visit one of his members in the old folks' home. And, of course, she didn't get many visitors, so while he was there visiting her, she went on and on and on about her life and on and on. And then the pastor, who was really wanting to go, he was getting hungry. He noticed that there were some peanuts there in front of me, began to eat the woman's peanuts, you know, and then after a couple of hours, he said, Mildred, I've got to go. He said, I've got other people to see, and I've got to go for lunch. And he said, I'm so sorry that I ate all your peanuts. And she said, oh, no problem, Pastor. I don't eat your peanuts. I just suck the chocolates. <laughs> it's important what you feed on. I say it's a matter of life and death, right? What are you feeding on that is exalt Jesus and his finished work? His love for you? Where are you getting your counsel from? Sad to say, but many Christians go to other sources first for their counsel. And the word of God says in Psalm 1, blessed is a man who walketh not after the counsel of the ungodly. Many of God's people are getting their medical advice, child-rearing practices, financial advice from the world. That's not green pastures. That's dry and parched ground. Can I be honest? Say yes, Debbie. All right. I'm amazed about how little of God's word God's people know. Now, I may step on some toes here, but don't worry. I won't break them. And if I do, Jesus, the healer's in the house. Okay? Many Christians can quote Dr. Phil, Dr. Spock, Oprah, and Ellen, and they cannot quote three verses from the Bible. They can tell you the latest news and gossip of the lives of the Hollywood celebrities, but they cannot tell you about the great lives of Hebrews 11. They can tell you who walked the red carpet, but they can't tell you who crossed the Red Sea. They can tell you about the latest song Mariah Carey performed, but they can't tell you about the the miracles that Jesus performed. 
Unless you think that I am against watching TV, reading newspapers, or listening to the news like CNN, continuous negative news, I am not. <laughs> I'm not. But it's so unfortunate when God's people know about what the world is saying more than what God has to say. This is where we should be feeding the Word of God because our health, our strength, everything, the, every problem that we may face, the solution is there. Amen? And that's all I'm going to say about that. You still love me? Okay. The third reason the sheep won't lie down if, is if they are troubled by flies or parasites. These little pests can really annoy and distract the sheep. The Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Those are those little annoyances, those petty frustrations, or those people that just seem to bug you. And they try and steal your joy. We all got those in our lives, don't we? Okay. But for some of you, it may be even that person that cuts you off while you're driving or cuts you off on the checkout line. It can be as small as being put on hold while you're on the telephone and it sets you off, you're aggravated, you're in a bad mood. And Jesus says, let no man steal your joy. Amen. You may have a person in your life that constantly belittles you, puts you down, always giving you those little diggers. They do that because they are small-minded and they see themselves as little because small-minded people will not encourage you. They will criticize you, they will find fault, but don't be distracted by them. Don't be distracted. Listen, your assignment is more important. Your time is too valuable to be distracted by critical, jealous, negative, small-minded people. Amen? When the sheep are annoyed and distracted, these little pests and parasites that come by these parasites, the good shepherd, he will apply a remedy on, on them, on their heads, okay? Like an insect repellent, or he will find refuge and shelter. Are you noticing the diligent care that the shepherd gives to his sheep? Isn't that powerful? All right? He's got the answers for that frustration, for those irritations. The shepherd's greatest desire, listen, my family, the shepherd's greatest desire is to keep his sheep, his flock, happy, contented, peaceful, and restful. When you find yourself being bugged, don't let it get under your skin. Flick it off. Flick it off and lie down. Lie down. Amen? The fourth reason the sheep won't lie down is if they're fearful. Because they're, they, sheep are timid, they're helpless, and they have no means of self-defense. So if there's the slightest suspicious of danger, they will not lie down. But the presence of the shepherd calms them down, soothes them, and removes their fear. Amen? I remember... For years, when Dennis and I, when we first bought the bakery for my parents, though every Easter, it was like a nightmare. There was always something that would go wrong. A, a driver would quit. The baker forgot to put an ingredient in, in, inside the dough. Oh, yes. The, the product's not coming up, and you need that product for the store. And then the buyer from the store calls you, threatening to throw all your sweet bread out of the store. And I could just feel that fear trying to grip me. And I would pull myself aside and spend time with my good shepherd. And he would bring me that peace. And he would say, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And guess what? It was all right. It was all right. We never lost the store. We were never kicked out. Amen. I like what Isaiah 41, 10 says in the Message Bible. This is so, I've been meditating on this. You know, it says in the, I think in the King James, um, fear not, I will be with you. Do not be dismayed. I will strengthen you or hold you with my righteous right hand. But the Message Bible says this, don't panic. I am with you. There is no need to fear. I am your God. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. Count on it. 
count on it. So if you're having difficulty, difficulty lying down and sleeping, maybe you're nervous, you're afraid, I want to give you a couple of verses to feed on, okay? Psalm 4.8 says, and I will say this just about every night. When I'm getting into bed, I say, Lord, it is written, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for you alone make me dwell in safety. Then I say, Lord, it is written, when you lie down, you shall not be afraid. Yes, you shall lie down and my sleep shall be sweet. Amen? So he maketh me to lie down. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. And that verse goes on to say, are we ready? He leads me beside the still waters. You know, when sheep are thirsty, when they're thirsty, they become restless and they go and search for the water. And they will drink anything. They will drink water from polluted potholes full of parasites and germs, okay? Not good. We were, we were not made to drink from polluted waters. Now, I know in the past, perhaps you too, maybe we have drunk from polluted waters. We thought it was good. We thought it was, we were, you know, we were uh, wise in our own eyes, but we learned that that's not a way to go. The way to go is having the Holy Spirit, having our good shepherd lead us, and he will bring us beside those peaceful, tranquil waters. Amen? Verse 3, he restores my soul. Now, this is one of my favorite verses in this psalm because when the Lord restores, he doesn't just restore to the condition that it was what it was prior. When God restores anything, he makes it better than new. Better than new, better than it was before it got broken, okay? Now, why would a sheep need to be restored? Well, if that sheep wandered away from the shepherd and it fell in a ditch and it got hurt, it got wounded, the loving shepherd would lovingly and tenderly heal the wounds, restoring it back to help. If a sheep would become cast down, do you know what that means, cast down? It means the sheep ended up on its back. There is no way that a sheep can get right side up again. It needs the help of the shepherd. If that shepherd, if that sheep stays on its back, it will die. It will die. But when the good shepherd finds the sheep, he rolls them on his side, puts them back up on his feet, rubs its legs to get the circulation going, and before long, the sheep is standing. Hallelujah. It's strong. It's happy. And it's contented. Amen. That's our God. Amen. That's a beautiful picture of our Jesus. Say amen to this this morning. Amen. Psalm 42, 11 says, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And we need to say that to our soul sometimes. Why are you discouraged, girl? What's your problem? Right? Shouldn't we say that? What's your problem? Why are you discouraged? Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I will yet praise him. That's the solution. Begin to praise him when you're getting discouraged. Amen? Amen. So if you wandered away from the shepherd's care, he wants to gently and tenderly restore you. Come on, come back home. Come on, come on, he's saying. You know, if you are cast down, right, and you see there's no way out, there's no way you're going to get out of this, you're depressed, you're discouraged, you're disappointed, you're feeling defeated, guess what? He wants to pick you up, put you back on your feet, and restore strength into you. Say, the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? So has your heart been broken? Your soul is damaged? Someone has done you wrong, maybe betrayed you, walked out on you, rejected you, and you're wondering, will I ever heal? Will I ever be happy again? This verse says, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Hallelujah. And that word restore means to replenish. It means to repair. It means to refresh. And it even, it, the phrase could be translated, he gives me back my life. He gives me back my life because the enemy wants to come to kill and to steal and destroy. And Jesus comes to heal the brokenhearted and give you back your life. Amen. Can you say amen? He gives me back my life. Many of God's sons and daughters, you know, they are marred and scarred. They're bruised and abused. They're broken inside. But Jesus comes to heal the broken heart. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Maybe, you're, you know, you've got a scar inside your heart and you're broken. You've been wearing a mask to cover it. 
And maybe nobody knows that you're smiling, everybody thinks everything's okay, but you're really hurting inside. This day is your day. This day is your day to be healed and to be restored in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? You know, I have come to learn that so many sicknesses and so many diseases stem from a sick soul. A broken heart, a wounded spirit, being abused, experiencing trauma. I read where our culture is experiencing an epidemic soul sickness. And it's just not in the world, it's in the church. Because you would be amazed to learn how many people go to church, they're all dressed up, they look fine, but during the week they've contemplated suicide. They just want to die. A sick soul speaks in many ways. It may speak through depression, anxiety, eating disorders, weight gain, low self-esteem, addictions, overachieving, a need to perform, jealousy, bitterness, and unforgiveness. And many of God's sons and daughters don't know who they are. They've been so battered and torn. Many are trying to find their self-image within themselves. But the Lord would say to you today, you were not made in your image, the image of self. You have been made in my image, he says, and in my likeness. You are precious and valuable to me. You are one of a kind. It doesn't matter what has happened in the past, what people have said about you, how they treated you. You are worth the price of my son's blood. Amen? And so he wants to restore what has been broken and what has been lost right back to its original design. Amen? Amen? The Lord says, I will restore health unto you. I believe that's in Jeremiah. And heal you of your wounds. And that word wounds means chronic conditions, chronic sicknesses, something that keeps on plaguing you. The doctors can't do anything for you. They'll, they'll say you'll be on medication for the rest of your life. You know, they can't seem to get to the root of the problem. But Jesus wants to heal you of that condition today. Amen? He wants to heal your body, restore your soul, and give you your life back. Amen? Amen? Amen. So we're not going to let rejection, a divorce, a betrayal, a bad childhood make you believe that you are not good enough. All right? No way. Or you don't measure up. You are loved and you are accepted by the one who matters most. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. You got to let go of those disappointments. Let go of the hurt. Let go of the guilt, the shame, the pain. You can't do anything about the past. Right? If you keep on bringing those negative baggage from yesterday to today, guess what? It's going to poison your tomorrow. Right? It's time to move on. We need to forgive. If you need to forgive someone, forgive them. And guess what? You may need to forgive yourself. Sometimes we need to forgive ourselves. And if you find it difficult, let's look to the cross and see how Jesus has forgiven you and me. Amen? It's time to let go of all that unforgiveness, all that bitterness. It's poison in your system. Okay? And Jesus heals our wounds. Amen? He leads, verse 3, he leads me in paths of righteousness, paths that are right for his name's sake. Jesus will lead you in paths that are right for you. Amen. And it will set you on a course for freedom. Okay. Another fact I learned about sheep is that they are always led. They are never driven. And the Lord will not drive you. Your boss may. Your day planner may, okay? And many today are being driven by a steady diet of pressure and stress and carrying the load because they struggle to balance the demands of the home life and the career, the diapers and the deadlines, the boardroom and the bedroom, the functions and the fun. See, that's one of the enemy's tactics is to load us, load up our schedule, even with things that we deem important or we think they're urgent. But we are running on our steam, and we're not being led by the Lord. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, 
but the end brings destruction. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. In all your ways. In all your ways. We need to go to him first. We need to go to him first for him to direct us. Because you know what? When we do it on our way, we go, we go, we go, we go, we go. And then we're so tired, we're strung out, we're stressed out, right? And then Jesus said, come to me. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen? Because that's what he wants. He wants us to have rest. But you, perhaps you're thinking, but Debbie, you know, I want the Lord to lead me, but I cannot seem to hear his voice. In John 10, 3, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I call them by name, and I lead them out. Now, I want you to repeat this after me. Jesus is my good shepherd. Jesus is my good shepherd. He, speaks he speaks to me, and I know his voice. Know his voice. He, calls he calls me by name and leads me out. This changed my life. No, 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 I'm saying that. <laughs> I typed this out. I put this up on the refrigerator. I put it above my sink, and I would say this all the time and still do. Jesus, so write that down, what I said, because you're going to make a copy of it, aren't you? Say, yes, Debbie. And you're going to put it up, and you're going to say it every day, and you're going to notice that you will hear his voice more and more clearly, okay? I said, Jesus is my good shepherd. He speaks to me. I know his voice. He calls me by name, and he leads me out. We're going to say that. Amen? All right. Let's move along. Verse 4, David says, Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now listen, guess what? Summertime is approaching. The shepherd is now going to take the sheep to the high mountaintop, the higher ground, where the sheep now are going to spend the summer. And they have great, lush, green grass up on the mountaintop, and there's fresh water, okay? The shepherd, he's so delighted to take his sheep to higher ground. But the route to the mountain is through the valley. They've got to go through the valley. And the valley is very dark, and it's challenging, okay? But there's some wonderful forage, wonderful food as they go through the valley. There's, so, there's many fresh springs and, and rivers there. The shepherd is aware. He, he knows that there's difficulties and dangers that lie ahead, but that he's got to take them through that dark valley. He knows that the sheep are subject to rock or mudslides. Predators like wolves and bears and coyotes may be lurking, but the shepherd will be right there alongside them. Another danger, or another threat of danger, I should say, as they're traveling up the mountain is a sudden storm that come up out of nowhere. It's not unusual for the sheep to set out in the morning in a beautiful July day, and by mid-afternoon, they experience a severe storm. Rain, sleet, fierce weather. You know what that says to me, that speaks to me? I can get up some morning, and it can be absolutely beautiful, and by midday, be facing a severe storm in my life. Life can be going so well, and suddenly I find myself in the valley experiencing dark, lonely days, hard times. We've all gone through the valley, haven't we? One form or another. It may be sickness. It may be a valley of loneliness, the valley of losing a loved one, a valley of infertility, a loss of a job, a financial setback, a child making the wrong choices. Whatever you may be going through or may grow, grow, go through, Know this, that it has not taken the shepherd by surprise, and he is right there with you. And he has determined to take you through the valley and to the mountaintop. David says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say, I'm going to stay in the valley. I'm going to build a house in the valley. I'm stuck in the valley. He doesn't say that. He said, no, I'm going to walk through the valley, which means it's a progress. He's not faltering. He's not stumbling. He's not crouching in fear. We walk strong. 
The valley is temporary. Say that. The valley is temporary. Perhaps life is not making sense right now, but you need to say, Lord, I don't understand. This is, maybe, this is painful. This is unfair. It feel, I feel like I'm never going to make it, but I trust you, Lord. You are good, and you are with me, and you're going to take me through. Amen? You've got to fight that discouragement. You have to fight the depression, the disappointment, and you don't allow the spirit of self-pity. This is big, big, my family. We can't allow that spirit of self-pity to come in because that spirit is a weapon of the enemy to paralyze you so you don't look forward to the amazing future that God has for you and me. Amen? See, we can all trust God in the good times. But we have to learn to trust God when we're going through the valleys. Amen? We have to keep our eyes on him. I like what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified. I love it. It says, God is talking. He said, I will not in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Amen. Amen. That's our God. Amen. Because you are with me. Amen. So though you walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. The rest of that verse goes on to say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Woo! Look what I got. The rod and the staff. Mmm. Mmm. They comfort me. Two instruments that the shepherd uses. He always carries this with them. This is usually a short stick, and it usually hangs here by his side. You've seen it, right? You, you know, right? You're from Portugal, right? All right. So it was used as a club to beat any predators, man or beast, because sheep are defenseless. They don't have horns. They don't have claws. They don't have fangs. See, we don't have that either, do we? No, we don't, do we? Ha, 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 ha. We don't. See? The rod does the trick. And the rod symbolizes the word of God. And that's what we use against the enemy. Okay? Against the enemy of depression, discouragement, fear, war worry. We use the rod to beat the enemy to a pulp, right? Say amen. All right? Now, it's interesting because the, the, sh the shepherd would also use this rod if he would see the sheep wandering away or approaching some poisonous weeds over there, getting too close to danger, the shepherd would fling the rod ahead of the sheep to scare it, to bring it back. And that God uses the word. He'll use the word to correct us, to admonish us, to wash us. Isn't that powerful? And it brings that sheep right back. I heard some teachings that if a sheep consistently wandered off, that the shepherd would beat it and then break its legs. Have you ever heard that message? Oh, no? Oh, good, 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 good. But that's, that's yes. yes. I've heard pastors preach that if a shepherd wandered off, he would break its legs. Wrong. A good shepherd never breaks the legs of his sheep. We see him carrying them on the shoulders, don't we? Uh, Jesus will never break a leg to teach us a lesson. He will never give us a sickness or disease, amen, to teach us a lesson, amen? All right. Another usage of the rod was to examine the sheep's skin. He would actually pass the rod right through the skin, yeah, to the, the skin to see if there's anything like any bugs or anything that's gotten under there. But isn't that like the Word of God? That's what the Word of God does. It goes down deep. Maybe nobody can see it. It's down deep inside, but that's what he uses. He uses his word to go down to deep inner recesses of our hearts where there may be wounds or whatever, and he heals it with the word. Oh, that just came to me. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. Amen? All right. Another instrument that the shepherd carried was a staff. This is a long stick, just like you see here. This is my dad's cane, but it's okay. It's a long stick with a hook or a crook. And the staff 
also brought much, this brought much comfort to the sheep. It was used by the shepherd to draw him close. <laughs> See, when that sheep wanted to, wanted to wander away, well, like, I'm going to keep this. I'm not giving this back to daddy. <laughs> he, used the, he uses the staff to guide the sheep, to rescue them, because sheep can be stubborn. And they can get to some predicaments, right? I was really touched when I read that when a, a newborn lamb got separated from its mother, the shepherd used the crook of the staff to lift up that lamb and reunite it with the mother. <laughs> Isn't that good? <laughs> That's our God. He reunites. He reunites children with parents, with mamas, and mamas with their children. Amen? That's the spirit. That's our God. Okay, let's continue on our journey. We're on verse 5. We've just arrived to the table land. You prepare a table before me. You know what that is? See, they're up in the mountain. And it's called a meza. Meza is table. And the mountain is flat. So that's where they are right now. Okay? He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Hmm. So, but guess what? See, before the shepherd ever brought his sheet up to the table and he had already gone before them. Early in the season, and then again later on, he had gone up to the table land, and he went removing the weeds, anything that would harm them, any leaves that, and debris that were blocking up the water holes, right? So they could have plenty of water to drink. This is all part of preparing the table. Do you know something? Before the foundation of the world, God prepared a table for us. We have the Lord's table. We have communion. And God knew, all right, he knew mankind would need a savior. So he sent his son to give his life for the sheep. And every time we partake of the Lord's table and we eat the bread, his body, and we drink the, the juice, his blood, we are proclaiming to the principalities and the powers, the demons in hell, that they have been defeated, they've been disarmed, and they've been stripped. Amen? Jesus has won us the victory over our enemies. And you know something? That word enemies means one who harasses. It's interesting. David did not say you prepare a table before thieves and robbers. See, because thieves and robbers, they don't, even, they don't even have to know you to rob you. But when you have an enemy, there's animosity there. See, there's animosity between the predator and the sheep. Hmm. An enemy hates you. He hate, the enemy hates you because you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. He hates you and me because we are overcomers, amen, and he's been defeated. He wants you to believe that you're not going to make it. Things will never get better for you. It's always going to be like this. Guess what? He's a liar. Yeah. He's a liar. You know what the enemy will do? Listen to me. He will take a picture of your worst situation. He'll show you. See, that's how it's always going to be for you. It's never going to change. It's never going to change. You know, but that's, that's not true. The good news is the enemy of guilt and shame and condemnation has been defeated. It cannot defeat us. Amen? It cannot. Jesus has gained us the victory. Amen? So, from this day forward, every time we come to the Lord's table, and doesn't Pastor do a wonderful job when we do the head? Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. But every time we're going to come to the Lord's table, we are going to proclaim... Our healing, our forgiveness, our deliverance, and expect to be set free. Amen? Because he set a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Amen? Amen. Verse 5. We're coming to a close. He anoints my head with oil. The shepherd anoints the sheep's head with oil because they are bothered by pests and parasites. And I spoke about this a little bit, okay? The flies. In the summertime... The sheep are actually troubled. Now listen to this. This is interesting. By nasal flies. They buzz and buzz around the sheep's head because they are attempting to deposit their eggs on the damp mucus, okay, of their membrane here, okay, of the sheep's nose. If they are successful and they deposit 
that little lava, okay, that egg, that, that egg will turn into a lava, okay, a worm-like lava, and it makes its way up through the nasal passages and into the sheep's head, causing them intense irritation and inflammation. And to get relief, the sheep will rub its head on the ground and they will thrash and they'll deliberately beat their heads against trees and rocks. And in some extreme cases, they will kill themselves endeavoring to get relief. But at the first sign of the flies among the flock, the good shepherd applies that special ointment, which brings immediate change in behavior. But one application will not do it. He continues to apply it. This is a great illustration, my brothers and sisters, of how the enemy works. He comes around and around like a fly, attempting to deposit his dirty, nasty thoughts, lies, and vain imaginations into our minds in hopes that we will receive it and he can go to work and hatch his lava, thoughts like, you'll never make it. You'll never get ahead. You're not good enough. Look what you've done. It's too late. You're too old. You're too young. You've blown it. You're a terrible parent. Look at all the mistakes you've made. You'll never get well. You're a terrible parent, a rotten mother, a rotten wife, whatever, right? He comes with his lies. Why don't you just take your life? Everybody would be better off without you. Kill yourself. Just kill yourself. These are some of the thoughts and the lies that the enemy attempts to hatch in our minds. Thoughts that will torment and wear us down and beat us down. And just as the sheep needed to have the oil continuously applied to their heads, we need the Holy Spirit. He's our comforter, our helper, praying in the spirit. We need to take those thoughts captive. What do we say, Miss Donna? We what? We slap it down. We slap it down. We take those thoughts each and every time it comes up. It could be a thousand times a day. We slap it down and we fill our minds with God's word. And we meditate on God's word. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever have good report think on these things is it a challenge absolutely is it work yes but we then will bear the fruit of it isaiah 26 3 one of our favorite verses here at highway church you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You have to discipline your mind, and it can be challenging. Romans 8, 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen? The last part of that verse says, my cup runneth over. This verse may sound a little strange. My, a sheep saying, my cup runneth over? What? Do sheep drink from cups? Oh, yes, they do. Remember I told you earlier that to a good shepherd, that sheep is like a family member, right? So he would actually let the sheep drink from his cup, just like you diehard uh, dog lovers. Don't they eat your ice from your ice cream cone? I've seen it. I see it out there. Oh, I've seen it. And they drink from your cups. I've seen it in the ice cream shops in my gelato. The, the, the owner would lick the cone, the dog would lick the cone. The owner would lick the cone. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, yes, I've seen it. But you know what? I thought of the story. Do you remember when David committed adultery with Bathsheba? And he had the husband killed. And then God sent Nathan the prophet to comfort David. you remember this? And to confront him about his sin? David tell, Nathan tells a story to David. He said, David, there was a poor shepherd who only had one ewe lamb. And then he makes this statement. This shepherd bought this lamb, nourished this lamb in his bosom. It was like a daughter, Nathan was telling David. And then he says, he, this lamb ate of his own meat, and drank of his own cup. 
This signifies relationship. Listen, if you're going to drink from my cup, we got to be tight or it ain't right. Right? We got to be tight or it ain't right. Excuse my English. But there's a close relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. When your relationship with your shepherd is tight, it's going to be right. Things will go right. You will experience super abundance, no lack. You shall not lack. Remember we said that? Superabundance of joy and favor, wisdom, health, prosperity, relationships restored. I have good news for you this morning. The Lord is getting ready to bless you like you've never been blessed before. My cup runneth over. This is the God that we serve. Not a God of a little bit, a God of overabundance. Can I tell you what just recently happened to me? I love listening to where you know that. I am an addict. I'm not ashamed to say it. I say it all the time. I am addicted. I am, and I make that confession, Lord, I am an addict. I'm addicted to your word. So I got up one morning, and I usually like to listen to some of my preachers or teachers in the podcast. But this particular day, I decided to listen to Joel Osteen. Now, I like Joel Osteen. I always listen when we go in our car because we have Sirius XM. Okay. But I don't tend to listen to him at home. But this particular day, as I'm scrolling down, I said, hmm, okay, I'll listen to Joel Osteen. And the message was called, Ask Big. So I began listening to him, and then I started making breakfast, and he made a statement. I don't even know what to ask you for. And then when I heard that message, oh, God, I know what I'm going to ask for now. And I'm really going to ask big. You've got to listen to that message. Because God is a God of abundance. God is a God of abundance. And he wants to do so much more. More than we could even ask or think. More than we can imagine. That's our God. And when you get a revelation of that, you will say, Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Can you say that with me? Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Amen. I'm all done, Pastor. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.